Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Uh, We are now on part four of a series that we're in here that's entitled, It Is Written. Everybody say, It Is Written. Um, The goal of this uh, series is to, for us all to realize that this Bible of ours is an anchor that keeps us grounded, that keeps us steady, that keeps us right where we need to be on our journeys with Jesus. Too many of us are trying to go on this journey without the anchor. Too many of us are trying to run a race without our daily bread. And we don't have the stamina, the strength, and the wherewithal we need to complete all the things that God has for us because we need our Bibles. Amen? So we've been taking a really hard look at this book that's at the center of our faith because what we learned early on is that um, the, 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 the first book in your Bible, the book of Genesis, says that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. That's how valuable this book is. not just a book. In fact, we talked about it's not a book at all. It's a library. It's a collection of books all telling one amazing story. And so we're going to pick up the conversation today with where we left off last week, and that's in the book of John. That's the fourth book in your New Testament. We'll be in John chapter 8, John chapter 8, and I will personally be reading from the NLT version, uh, John chapter 8, and I'll be reading verses 31 and 32, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, fourth book in the New Testament. When you got it, say, I got it. You need more time, say, hold up. All right. But this is a powerful truth that I don't want us to to forget. I don't want us to pass by or pass over. It's important that we get this this here message in our hearts. John 8:31 reads Jesus said. That's important right there. <laughs> uh Jesus said this. So We should probably pay extra attention to what Jesus said. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Everybody say remain faithful. Remain faithful to my teachers and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the key to our freedom is our ability to remain faithful to the teachings of the Lord. Where do we find the teachings of the Lord? In his word. It's important that we don't get to this Bible every now and then. It's important that we don't draw upon the truths of the scriptures every blue moon. 
It's important that we remain faithful to the teachings, which also means there is a possibility for us to be unfaithful to the teachings. That's why Jesus is putting this out. This is how you know you're my disciple. It's not how many Sundays you attended church. This is how you know you're my disciples. It's not how many scriptures you post on social media. This is how you know that you're my, this is Jesus talking about his disciples. This is how you know you're with me. As if you remain faithful. That means you can start faithful and not remain. So his, his message to us right in this first verse is to remain faithful. Don't just start. Remain faithful to the teachings of the Lord. That's how you know if you are a true disciple, a true follower, a true believer in Jesus Christ. It's measured by your faithfulness to the teachings, not your faithfulness to this church. Hello. I'm, we're we're going to be fine. <laughs> I'd rather you be faithful to the teachings of the Lord. It's not, it's not how faithful you are to your spouse, although you, you, you definitely should because that's in here. But how you're measured in your discipleship is your ability to remain faithful to this Bible. Therefore, I'll present to you a message today, time to get it in. It's time to get it in because too many of us play church. We come, we smile, we say amen, clap our hands, preach, preacher. Y'all keep doing it. I need that. <laughs> but <laughs> we don't have it in us. We know how to do church. We don't know how to be the church. We learn rituals and routines and sayings and dress codes. We know how to do the church thing, but that's not the goal. It's time to get it in. What? The word in your mind, in your heart, in your life. It's really past time to take your journey with the Lord way more serious, your journey into the word way more serious. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Can you come with me to the throne of grace and pray? Heavenly Father, we, we, we bow before you, O Holy One, thanking you because we don't sit here without your grace and mercy being upon us. So Lord, thank you that this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice no matter what circumstances we're up against, no matter what questions that we have that are unanswered currently, no matter what challenges are there before us, we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to understand what you have to say on today. Let your perfect will be done. I move myself out of your way so that you can speak to your people. 
Jesus' name. And all God's people said, really quick survey. Raise your hand if you love roller coasters. Who loves roller coasters? Everybody look around. All these people are weird. All these people, look at the people with their hands in the air. There's something wrong with them. I do not like roller coasters. I also don't like planes. Why? Because I don't like heights. I don't even like climbing ladders. You can judge me. That's fine. I'm going to be all right. But sometimes these things are necessary. Planes. And I, I think I get it from my dad because he didn't like planes. He's the toughest guy I've known. He's like a, 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 a B.A. Brockus. Let, let, me, let, me, let me go get my millennial. Let me get my Gen Z. Long time ago. There was a very popular TV show called The A-Team. One of the characters was named B.A. Baracus, played by Mr. T. He was the strongest dude, but he hates flying, so they always had to trick him to get on the plane. All right? Everybody, we on the same page now? So that's my dad. It's me too. I don't like flying, but I have to get places. There's destinations that I need to get to that flying on a plane will help me get to more efficiently. This Tuesday, I have to be in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, I could get in my truck. It'd be nine hours to get there. That would be no fun. Because then, on Thursday, I have to go from Birmingham to Atlanta to do something else. And then I'll have to drive another four hours to get there. And then from Atlanta back, I'd have to do another 12-hour drive. I don't want to do that. So what I do? I bought a plane ticket. Because sometimes, even though things that make you uncomfortable, maybe a little scared, maybe a little uneasy, are more beneficial for your journey. Roller coasters are from the devil. <laughs> now, guys, you got to understand, my, my principles here, my, 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 what you call fears, I think are theologically sound. Because in my Bible, it says that the Lord put stars in the air. He put birds in the air. He put the sun in the air. He put the moon in the air. He put people on the ground. I like the ground because I love Jesus. But this week we went to Six Last Great America. We want to take the kids on a trip, a little something before it's time to go back to school. And my son likes roller coasters. His dad does not. But even though I'm uncomfortable and afraid and uneasy, man, I'm trying to create these memories. Right? Because sometimes we do things for our kids monetarily that they'll forget about. But memories, they're, they're, they don't disappear. And so I had to put aside my personal preference to create a memorable situation. In both scenarios, whether you're trying to get to your destination more efficiently or whether you're trying to create a memory, it's going to require you to be okay with being uneasy because some of you are afraid of your Bible because you think it's intimidating. I think planes are intimidating. I definitely think roller coasters are intimidating. But sometimes they're necessary and beneficial for the journey that I'm on. That's how we have to start looking at our Bibles, not as this big, opposing, 
challenging obstacle, but as a life-giving source for our journey. That means you're going to have to put aside your uneasiness, put aside your fears, put aside your objections so that you can get to your destination more efficiently because the Lord has you on a journey, whether you realize it or not. And so that you have the capacity to create memories, not for the sake of memories when we're talking about the Bible, but if you don't uh, uh, have an open heart and an open mind, you won't be able to remember what's in here when you need it the most. And so that's why it's important that you approach this book with a new mindset and a new mentality. Remember that verse we just read in John 8, 31 and 32? It said, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachers. And don't forget this last sentence, and you will know the truth. Know the truth. That word know in the original language is not a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. It's a knowledge that's not gained by the acquisition of facts. It's a knowledge that's gained by a life experience. Remember those roller coasters I was on? It's an experience. And through that experience, you gain closeness with the subject matter. The original word is gnosko. And it's not enough to just know the Bible in your head, but you have to let it matriculate into your heart because when you let it matriculate into your heart, it then becomes a part of your daily life. It becomes a part of your identity. When people see you, they start to see him because you've taken the time to remain faithful to his teachings. This doesn't happen by osmosis. This happens by being intentional. So you don't accidentally get close to the Father. You don't accidentally become more keen to his voice. It takes you putting in the effort to know him, gnosko, through experience, not head knowledge alone. Are you with me so far? So there are Four quick thoughts that I want to share with you. How do we remain faithful to the teachings of the Lord? How do we hold on to, as the King James Version said, how do we hold on to the teachings of the master so that it can get in us and become a part of us? Number one is we have to make it the foundation of your life. You have to make it the foundation of your life. That means that everything you do has to be built on top of the foundation of the Word of God. The thing about foundations is you do not see them. You go to somebody's house, you do not see the foundation. You see the carpet, the blinds, walls, decorations, furniture, appliances, but you don't see what the house is built upon until a storm comes. Hurricane season, tornado. Something can come and wipe the house out. But not necessarily the foundation because the foundation is in the ground. 
There's a whole process, months on top of months process, just to lay a foundation properly. And the reason you want your foundation to be laid properly is because no matter how pretty your decorations are, no matter how pretty your fixtures are, no matter how awesome your furniture looks, if your foundation is flawed, it will all crumble down, much like your spiritual life, much like your natural life. If it's not built upon the teachings of Jesus Christ, as soon as that storm comes, because I got to tell you, as your pastor, there's a storm coming. You don't get to avoid storms by becoming followers of Jesus. You just get umbrellas. Never mind. The storms are going to come. And it's going to be dependent upon the foundation that you lay for yourself, your household, your family. How you are able to endure the storms of life that are sure to come. Here's what Matthew 7 and 24 says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. This is the instructions for us on how we're supposed to build our houses on the solid rock. Who's the solid rock? Jesus. Where is Jesus? He is the word of God. So that's why we have to open these Bibles. That's why we have to let it, uh, that's why we have to meditate on it so that it can get into our heart and get into our lives because this is how we're supposed to build our house. This is how we're supposed to make decisions. This is how we're supposed to make plans. This is how we're supposed to make goals. This is how we're supposed to know when to say yes. This is how we're supposed to know when to say no. Because our house is built upon the foundation of the word of God. But there are some things that we tend to lean more towards when we're building our houses. Other than the word of God. And I want to bring this to your awareness so that if you find yourself in any of these, that you make the proper adjustments. The first thing that we tend to build our house on and our decisions on is popular culture. We love the world. We think they are so cool. We think they are so special. They got it figured out. When the truth is, we're the ones with Jesus. We're the ones who has the spirit of the living God inside of us. We're the ones who can pray to an uncreated God and he answers. But yet, we love what the real housewife of this and that got on. Yep. We love what these athletes are driving. Uh-huh. We love the people on social media who we never met. We esteem them more than we esteem our local leadership that we know, that we've seen the fruit of their lives, that we can reach out to and get a prayer. Why? Because popular culture is appealing. And so we start to make decisions based on theirs. We take their clothing recommendations. We take their neighborhood recommendations. We take their marriage recommendations, even though they're all on their sixth marriage. We don't look to the word of God. We look to the word of influencers because we love to make our decisions based on 
popular culture. That's why it's popular, because it's where we flock to in our hearts and in our minds and in our aspirations. We love what they love because they look so lovable. Their life looks so incredibly good. I want that. You don't realize that that's all a lie, a myth, and a phony. You'll see in two weeks, they'll be on TMZ. Foreclosure, divorce, bankruptcy, because they was lying to y'all. You fell for it because your eyes were fixed upon the popular culture and you were looking at the crowd instead of looking to the Christ. But Exodus 23 and 2 says you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. You must follow the Christ in doing right. The reason it's so quiet and I've stepped on your toes already is because there's a tendency in our heart to love the things of our enemy. Is that, is that too rough? I've tried to say it really politically correct. <laughs> the reason he's so good at his job, and he is good at his job, he's defeated, but he's good at his job. Because he has us believing that the things that we see on social media and even regular media are things that we should ascertain for ourselves and for our children. But if we put our face into the word of God, we would find a blueprint that's far superior to anything any of them are offering to us. The question is, what's in your heart? What appeals to you more? The things of the crowd or the things of the Christ? So the other thing that kind of gets us off track is tradition. This is for my super saints, right? We have certain dress codes that we're supposed to do in church. There's a certain type of song that we're supposed to sing in church. There's a certain type of order of service that you're supposed to do in church. You got to have, you got to have the, uh, 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 what do you call that thing with the uh, juice and the crackers? You got to have communion every first Sunday. I got a whole sermon in my brain, so little things I don't have room for. It's got to be first Sunday or else it's wrong. What's that? Tradition. If we don't have the little hymn book with, with, with the numbers and the, and, and the lyrics, we're not doing it right. That's too worldly. Tradition. There's nothing wrong with tradition unless you're leaning on tradition more than you're leaning on the word of God. Jesus did not say those who remain faithful to traditions are my disciples. Because sometimes those traditions that we're calling staples of our faith are nowhere in Scripture. We just made them up because it's a human preference. That's the difference. He said, remain faithful to my teachings. Now, if something they said is in the Word of God, that's different. But a lot of it ain't. We just do it because some person at some point said this is how we should do it and we've just been doing it ever since and we've been recycling it from generation to generation. That don't make it the gospel. It's just a tradition. Again, there's nothing wrong with it unless you're using it to oppose or differentiate from what the scriptures actually say. So popular culture is a distraction. Tradition is a distraction. But so is reason. Come on. All my degreed 
saints. I got college degrees too. Shout out to you. That's great. But what happens is your brain gets you in trouble. You start to think that you know that you can outthink this Bible. You start to think that you can acquire more knowledge than what wisdom already lies in these pages. You think too much. (laughs) And then you try to sound real smart and you sound real dumb when you compare it to the great I am and what he's already said. (laughs) You can't outthink the master. Proverbs 16 and 25 says there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. You can think all you want that something should be different than what's in the Bible. The problem is just because it seems right to you and your finite brain and your finite intellect, if you just lean on what you think is right, the result, according to this proverb, is that you will end that journey of yours in death. There's nothing wrong with reason unless reason replaces the scriptures. Don't try to outthink the great I am. Submit your intellect to him. And you'll become even smarter than you thought you already were. You won't end up with what Paul talks about in the New Testament puffed up. Because sometimes we get to the point of even acquiring biblical knowledge that we end up puffed up. And looking down on people, how do I know? Because I was just like that when I first started my journey. I was Saul of Tarsus. I was, not, I was debating the Christians about this, that, and the other. I was a Christian, but I was a superior. I was a Pharisee. Okay? Had all my little theological ducks in a row. And you jokers need to get yourself together. I don't debate no more, though. But at one time in my life, I was that guy. And I know how easy it is to become that guy or that girl because you read a few Bible chapters, you read a few commentaries, you read a few books, you took a couple classes, and now you got the inexhaustible one figured out. It's a slippery slope. Humble yourself. Or like they say in holiness, humble. They take the H off. Make sure you extra humble, humble. <laughs> you can't reason your way to the master. So popular culture is a distraction. Tradition is a distraction. Reason is a distraction. And the last one is our feelings. Y'all like how I did it, like feelings. That's how y'all be. If it don't feel right, that can't be God. Things have changed. Our culture has evolved and adapted. Surely the teachings in this ancient book doesn't apply to a more civilized society in 2023. Uh, Wrong. You're wrong. Doesn't matter how you feel. Stop letting your feelings be the compass of your decision making. Because you crazy. Your feelings do all this, be all over the place. And if you keep following your feelings, that's what your life is going to look like. Y'all like my demonstration? 
following your feelings. Stop building your house on your feelings. Some of you are broke because you followed your feelings. And you shop emotionally. Yeah. Y'all all right? I've been doing this a while. Some of y'all marriages are in the flux because of your feelings. Because they hurt your feelings. I'm out. You sleep on the couch. We're just going to co-parent. We'll be all right. Feelings. Because this is a modern, civilized society, and we can co-parent just fine. We can make a little co-parent agreement. But what does the Bible say? I think it's just me and you, Dr. Monique. I don't know if they like the Bible. What does the Bible say? I don't care about what your feelings say. Submit your feelings to Jesus. Ask him for direction. Ask him for clarity. Stop following your feelings. Some of y'all ended up in a relationship following your feelings. And that's why the relationship is crazy because they've been crazy and you accepted they crazy because you were following feelings. They were cute and crazy so you focused on the cute and tried to ignore the crazy. And then surprise, they're crazy because you were following feelings. I'm trying to help the people today. Uh, one of the, the, speaking of crazy, one of the craziest books in your Bible is the book of Judges. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jordan Peele ain't got nothing on the book of Judges. There's some stuff happening in there. Y'all should read it. <laughs> but even in this, even in, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great book, but guys, it's a lot going on in there. Uh, Judges 21 and 25 the reason uh, at this time there was no king in Israel, people did whatever they felt like doing. Like a lot of the crazy that you read in the book of Judges is because they had no authority on their lives. <laughs> and so people were doing whatever they felt like doing. And you know what? They were doing some crazy stuff. My goodness. Makes you feel a little bit better about yourself when you read the book of Judges. Like, what were they thinking? We all are wild. But that's what happens to us when we have no king. And we start doing whatever we feel like doing. You need a king to help guide you, help give you parameters, guardrails. A lot of times we think that this book is a, like a, like a hater. Like, it's always trying to get me to do stuff I don't like. Trying to get me to change. You need to change. You know why you need to change? Say it with me. Because you crazy. So am I. And we need the Christ to clean up the crazy. You see all them C's? That's called a pastoral alliteration. You need the Christ to clean up your crazy. Every day. 
Huh? So number one is you need to make it the foundation of your life. And as I give you the rest of these thoughts, they won't work unless you make the word of God the foundation of your life. Are you with me? That's how pivotal this, you have to accept this in your heart. You have to get it into your mind and into your heart that from today forward, my life will be built on the word of God. This is not a book of maybes. This is not a book of suggestions. This is the foundation that you should build your house upon. You're going to have to make the decision. Am I going to go with the culture or the Christ? Am I going to go with the world or the word? See the, you see the W's right there and then the C? Okay. I'm trying to get y'all to remember this stuff. Because you're going to need it because the storms are going to come. What you going to do then? When you're not sitting in a church sanctuary and the storm shows up, what's going to be your first response? Because life is going to happen and you're going to need a king so that you don't end up doing whatever you want to do. You don't end up eating your feelings. You don't end up spending your feelings. You don't end up lusting your, okay. Should I move on to point number two? So after you make it the foundation of your life, you need to make it the first part of your daily life. We need the word of God in our life every day. We don't just need the word of God in our life on Sunday. We need the word of God in side of our daily life. Everybody say daily. We need it every day. Like take the V out and just say every day. We need the word of God every day. Matthew 6 and 33. This is your other favorite pastor's favorite Bible verse. Matthew 6 and 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now she likes the King James Version so she probably didn't even know what I just said. She likes the thieves and the thous. But the point is the admonishment in this verse is to make it the first part of your day. That you don't give the word of God and thus give God your leftovers. The last little bit of energy that you got left. Let me, whew, let me just, because uh, pastor be tripping, let me just see. Yes, amen, amen. Like make it, because that's what y'all be doing. Make it, make it a part of your daily life every day. The key to your growth and your development is in your consistency. This is how you get strong. Because if you feed your spirit man spiritual food, your spiritual man will get strong. And if you feed your spiritual man nothing, or you only feed your spiritual man sometimes, 
you will be spiritually weak. So let's talk about how do we make, because I don't want to just give you theory, theology. I want to give you the ability to walk this out, make it practical. So my first strategy I want to give you is to tie some time back. I want you to tie some time back. I'm not telling you to go sign up for seminary. Just a little bit of time. Look at, if you're an iPhone user, you're blessed, number one. Number two, you can actually use your phone and you can go to screen time and see how much time you've been spending on social media. Yeah. Some of you are going to need some deliverance after you take a look at how much time you've been spending on social media. And here's what it means to tie time back. Look at, add up, because it'll tell you on a daily average, this is how much time you're spending on this app. Add that up for your social media apps and give God 10% of that. Say, I'm going to take 10% of that, and I'm going to calendar that to be in my word this week. Just a seven-day challenge to tie some time back. If you have an Android, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying I don't know. If there's some way for you to figure it out, please figure it out. Tithe some time back to the Lord. I'm not telling you to delete all your, I'm saying take 10% of what you've been giving Zuckerberg and give it to the master. Be intentional. Put it in your calendar. If you're averaging an hour and a half a day, that's 90 minutes. So you can say nine minutes. I'm going to be in that word. Now you can say, I don't care if you said a timer, a nine minute timer. Be intentional. Say, I'm giving this back to you, Lord. Speak to me through your word. Tithe some time back. To, because I, I, I just said it, I want to say it again. The key to your growth and your development is your consistency. So if you go into the week saying, you know what, I'm going to give an hour to this thing. No, you're not. It's not true. But if you decide that you're going to give them something that's manageable, that's doable, some of you might be saying, but I got the kids, I got the but, but you got to drive somewhere. So there's apps. You can listen to the Bible on your ride to work, to drop the kids off. You can get the word in you if you want to. Now, some of you be like, yes, tell them, tell them, pastor, get off that social media. It's the devil. That's because you don't use social media, but I got something for your tail, too. <laughs> Think y'all slick. This is an intergenerational church. I know some of y'all ain't on there. So for y'all that don't do social media, I'm going to reintroduce this concept called the first 15. I gave this to our dream team during, during, the, during the week, and they responded. So I'm giving it to you all publicly. Everybody got 15 minutes. Everybody. The busiest of the busy. Most of y'all ain't more busy than me. So everybody has 15 minutes that they can give to the Lord. So what does this look like? How does this break down? So the first 15, that means you just give five minutes. Just get in the Bible for five minutes, five minutes in the Word. That could be a chapter. That could be a paragraph. 
That could be a verse or two. Don't matter. Just say, I'm going to put every day for the seven-day challenge. I'm going to give God my first 15. I'm going to get in the Word for five minutes. And then I'm going to move on. So I got five minutes in the Word. Then I got five minutes in worship. I'm going to worship for five minutes. Some of us don't realize how powerful worship is. <laughs> like, worship alone can melt away some of the anxiety that you're up against. Some of you are experienced when our worship team was up here doing their thing because they cold-blooded. And they was ushering us into the presence of the Lord because in his presence, we find joy, we find hope, we find courage. We find him. So just find, that's one song. Unless it's Maverick City. They songs like nine minutes long. Listen, you know, turn on Maverick City at your own risk. But most songs are around five minutes, right? So you read a couple scriptures, then you jump into worship. Let me give you some Bible for that. Psalms 34 and 1. I will praise the Lord at. Well, y'all be reading your Bible. That's what I'm talking about. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's worship. All times. Good times. Challenging times. Feeling good? Not feeling good. Full schedule? Nothing to do today. I'm still going to praise him at all times. I'm committed to it. I'm going to be consistent with it at all times. I will praise him. I'm not going to sing more Beyonce than I sing Fred Hammond. I'm going to praise him at all times. And my version says, I will constantly speak. Constantly speak his praise. So five minutes of word, five minutes of worship, last one, five minutes in prayer. Because no relationship on this earth can develop strength without communication. And the same goes for your relationship with your heavenly father. If you don't talk to him, how can you know him? If you don't talk to him, how can you hear from him? If you don't talk to him, how can you get intimate with him? If you don't talk to him. How do I pray, pastor? Because y'all be overthinking this with your reason. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'll tell you what the word says. Don't worry about anything. Is your house built on the word of God? Is your life built on the word of God? Then don't worry about anything. Hmm. Instead, comma, pray about everything. Some of y'all don't pray about nothing. Which is why you're worried about everything. Worry about nothing because you're praying about everything. There's scale. Either you're going to worry or you're going to pray. Either you're going to worry about everything or you're going to pray about everything. But here's how you pray. Simple. Two-part prayer. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. It's in the Bible. I don't know how to pray. Tell God what you need and thank God for what he's done. 
Just five minutes. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. That's how you can pray to God. Here's the result when you do this. Then you will experience God's peace. Then when you worry about nothing and then you pray about everything and then you tell God what you need and then you thank God for what he has done, peace. If your life is lacking peace, here's a formula for you. If there's an area in your life that is full of turmoil, there's a formula for you. Stop worrying about it. Start praying about it. And God's peace will be your portion. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard you. This is how powerful his peace is. This is not just any type of peace. This is God's peace which we, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So his peace is powerful because it doesn't just show up in that moment and in that instant and dissipate. No, no, no. It shows up and then it guards your heart. And then it guards your mind as you're living your life for Christ. We forget how powerful his peace is. And that's why we need to pray more. And that's why we have to make it a consistent, habitual part of our life. Because we need God's peace. Do you agree? So number one was we have to make it a foundation of our life. Number two was we have to make it the first part of our daily life. And then number three is we have to make it grow deeper. You got to make it grow deeper in your life. What do I mean by that? It's not enough to read it. You got to start to study it. You okay? Y'all still here? We got to study the word of God. Now don't become intimidated because that's the devil. That's the devil. I'm going to prove it as I continue on. When I say study, I'm not saying that you're called into ministry. That's for ministry people. No, actually it's for you. You need the word of God in your life, so therefore you need to study it. You need to gain an understanding about the things that you are reading. Here's why. Colossians 3 and 16 says, let the message of Christ. Did you hear that? Let the message of Christ, meaning that you have to allow it. Meaning you could stand in the way of this promise, meaning that you could be the obstacle of this manifesting in your life. You have to let the message of Christ and all of his richness, this is the key part, fill your lives. It's not in a compartment of your life. It's not an appetizer. It's not a side piece. 
It's supposed to fill your lives. But you have to let it. Because if you don't let it, it won't happen. Hello? If you don't allow it, it will not take place. Your life will not be filled with the richness of Christ's message if you don't let it. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So how do how we do this? How do we let, how do we allow this into our lives? I'm just going to give you a couple of quick practical things you can do so that you can go deeper, so that you can let the message of God into your life. Number one, you need to get a translation of the Bible that you like. There are a lot of translations. But you need to find one that you like. My wife loves King Jimmy. I can't do it. And neither one of us is wrong. That's what I need you to get you to understand. There is no wrong translation of the Bible. The right one is the right one for you. I just want to remind you guys, as I, as, as I take y'all deeper into this message, that we are in the year of cultivation. I'm going to be super honest. I almost deleted this part out of the message, what I'm about to share with you. Because I'm like, ah, I don't know if they're going to, they're ready for that, you know. It's like a little nerdy. But then God reminded me of what he said before this year started. He said this church, this house was in the year of cultivation. If you remember, there were four key parts of that cultivation, and one of them was your Christianity, which meant that you were going to know why you believe what you believe. I don't care if you came to the faith this year, last year, last decade, or like my kids say, in the 1900s. I really don't like when they say that to me. That, that was in the 1900s. Okay. Amen. Doesn't matter. You need to know why you believe what you believe. Are you with me? Okay. So you need to get a translation that you like. Now I'm going to take the time to break down the categories of Bible translations to help you make a decision as to which translation you want. The first type of translation is called a literal translation. Say literal, which is also known as a word for word translation. Do you know why we have so many translations? Because the original Bible wasn't written in English. The original Bible was composed of three different languages. The majority of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, except for Israel was written in Aramaic, Daniel was written in Aramaic, and then one verse in Jeremiah was written in Aramaic. So that's two languages that we don't speak. And then third language, which is composed of the entire New Testament, is the Greek, which is another language we don't speak. Therefore, there's a need for translation. Since we don't speak those languages and the gospel's got to go into every nation to make disciples, there needed to be translation. So when you have a literal translation, that means that the translators looked at the original text and translated it word 
for word. It matched. No matter if our modern vernacular matched what they said back then, they translated it word for word. One of the earliest translations of any Bible was the KJV. Then you have the NASB, and then you have the ESV. These are word-for-word translations. Are you with me? The next one is called a dynamic equivalent. Say dynamic. This is what's called a thought-for-thought translation. So it's not exactly word-for-word. They look at the concepts. What was the original writer trying to convey, and how do we say that in our language and in our culture? Thought-for-thought translation. 90% of the time when I preach, I'm using the NLT because it's written in a way that you can understand while still holding true to the original thoughts of the original writers of the original scriptures. Are you with me? So that also goes for the NIV, the New International Version, and the NRSV. These are what's called dynamic equivalents. Are you with me? Right. Number three, optimal equivalency. This is the version of the Bible that I study 90% of the time, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. Optimal equivalence is a combination of the first two that we showed, the literal translation and the dynamic. So in some parts, it's word for word because it makes sense in the modern context. And other times, it's thought for thought to help it all be a cohesive yet faithful translation of the Bible. Are you with me? Y'all ain't sleep? All right, last one. It's only one more. Paraphrase. Paraphrase. The message, and that's the most popular of the paraphrases, and the Living Bible is another one. That's actually like the first Bible that my parents ever gave me as a little, little kid was the Living Bible because it's a paraphrase, meaning that it's not written directly from the original manuscript. It's an English Bible that was taken and made to be more conducive and more palatable for the average reader. So it's not something that I necessarily shape my theology from, but sometimes I do devotion from it. Sometimes I look to it to get a deeper or a more clear understanding of what one of the other versions is saying. Are you with me? There's four types. Literal, dynamic, optimal, and paraphrase. There's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. Let, let's look at what, what it, what, let's, how it breaks down, all right? So let's, 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 do a, let's do an example, all right? 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. Let's read it in, in, in Pastor Ty's favorite version, the KJV. Are you ready? I'm going to try and get through this. I'm going to try and get through this KJV real quick. Y'all pray for me. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity Envieth not. Hey, glory. <laughs> Y'all like the KJV? This is torture right now, man. All right. Charity, bonteth. What, I don't even know what bont means, but bonteth. Not itself. Is not puffed up. Amen. Y'all have no idea what I just said. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) 
All right, let's go NLT. Same verse. Love is patient and kind. Come on. I mean, let's just get to it. Let's just get to it, man. Love is patient and kind. Oh. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Oh. All right, let's go, let's go paraphrase so you can see what a paraphrase is like, all right? Same verse, message. Love never gives up. Oh, that's, ooh, it feels so good to your soul. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Same verse, different versions. Get a translation you like. Don't be influenced by me. Get one that fits you. I, try, I tried to bring Ty over. It just didn't work. But no, we honestly came to the conclusion, like, she was trying, like, let me try, like, nah, you're a KJV person. And it's important that you stick with what connects with your heart. I want to reemphasize there is no wrong translation. Well, there's some, but uh, you won't find them. But everything that was on the screen is a good translation that you can go on your journey with the Lord with. Are you with me? Get a translation that you like. Okay, step two, get a study Bible. <laughs> Did you know there was such a thing as a study Bible? Okay, so a study Bible has extra information in it besides just the verses. Like down at the bottom, you'll find explanations of the verses that you're reading. At the beginning of a book of the Bible, it'll give an explanation of the context and the background and the author of that particular book. It gives you extra information to help you understand more clearly the things that you're reading. You see, this is, this is, you don't get this at the uh, average church. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, we're trying to cultivate. <laughs> we're trying to cultivate. Get you a study Bible. Study the word of God. Study to show thyself approved. I said thyself. That's KJV. That was an accident, man. All right, here's, here's, here's the, my personal two study Bibles. These are the ones I personally use, personally have. The one uh, on the left is the one I use all the time. That's the Tony Evans study Bible. It is a CSB uh, version. He now has a, a different one, NASB. But that's the one that I personally have. I use that every single day. I think Tony Evans is probably the greatest Bible teacher of all time. This is my opinion. And over here is the NLT Illustrated Study Bible. I use this one um, a lot when I'm preparing a message. I use, the C I use that one over there for my personal um, devotion. And I use this one when I am uh, preparing a message because I preach a lot from the NLT. And it has a lot of information, a lot of illustrations. Again, all in an effort to help you go deeper. You don't just read the Bible. You need to study. Study. Why? Because you're going to need this. You're going to need this. Okay, so after you find a translation that you like, after you get a study Bible, the third thing you need to do is probably one of the most important ones, even though you don't see it coming, is you need to get in a life group. No, no, listen. Listen. This is not about programming. You need to be doing life with like-minded people. Everybody in your circle ain't going to get this. 
I'm not telling you need to abandon your people that don't share your faith. What I am saying is you need to be con- find in time to be consistent with people that do share your faith. And Sunday mornings isn't enough to cultivate the journey that you're on. Sometimes you're going to need somebody on a Wednesday <laughs> that you can say, help, pray for me. I am crazy. Sometimes you need to acknowledge your craziness with your crazy self. But seriously, you need to get in a life group. This is how you cultivate your discipleship journey with the Lord. If you continue to try to do life on your little island, you will continue to get hit with storms and no one around to assist you. You will continue to be an infant in your discipleship journey because nobody's pushing you for greater. Nobody's pushing you to go deeper. Nobody's praying with you for those obstacles that you're facing. You need to get in a life group. Now, our, our current semester just ended. The next one will start at some point, September, fall. So you need to have that on your heart. When we start announcing, hey, here come life groups. Here come life groups. You need to be like, you know what? I need, I need, to, I need that. I need that. It's a part of your... Whenever Jesus sent people out, he sent them out two by two. He never sent nobody out by themselves. So why are you trying to do life by yourself? God is not doing life by himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Community is a part of your journey. But again, remember the verse that we just read in Colossians. You got to let it in. This stuff doesn't get in you accidentally. These principles, these truths, these strategies get into your life by you letting it in. You opening the door of your heart, of your mind, of your lives to let the light in. So I've given you three of the four steps. Are you still here? So step number one, which was the most important step, all the other steps don't work if step number one is not complete, which is you have to make it the foundation of your life. And then number two, you have to make it the first part of your daily life. You got to get, you got to be consistent. Tie back some time to the Lord or do the first 15 strategy, whatever you have to do to be consistent. I'm just challenging you for seven days. Seven days. Just do the beat. Watch what happens to you from being consistent for seven little days. And number three is make it grow deeper in your life. That's moving from reading the word of God to studying the word of God. Why do you need to study the word of God? Because number four is you have to make the word of God a weapon. A weapon for the challenges of life. Did you know that it's not just a book, but it's a weapon? Like boom, 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 boom. Weapon. Because the challenges of life are going to happen. I ain't going to stand up here and lie to you and say, give your life to the Lord, and then you just skate on into eternity. Problem free. Nope. But I do know an umbrella that can help when the storm comes. It's a weapon. Ephesians, uh, the sixth chapter, talks about the, the armor of God. 
How many have heard that term, the armor? Yeah, put on the whole armor of God. Well, in verse 13, that, that's what it says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because it's coming, you may be able to stand your ground, meaning that just because the problem comes, it doesn't have to knock you down. If you got on the armor of God, you'll be able to stand your ground. Then it goes on to list all the different parts of the armor, and they're all defensive equipment, shields and feet and helmet and breastplates, all to protect you defensively, except one. There's one piece of armor that you use offensively. It's the word of God. You'll see that in verse 17. It says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is your offensive weapon for when the enemy comes your way. Because you do have an enemy and he will come your way. But when you have on the armor of God, you'll be able to stand your ground when the enemy shows up. And you won't just have to stand there and take it. But you have a weapon that you can fire at him to tell him, back up off me. The message version says it even more, even more powerfully. Verse 17, it says God's word is an indispensable weapon. Meaning like you really, 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 really need it. Like you shouldn't leave the house without it. Like you need to have your concealment carry for the word of God. Okay, just ready for whatever the enemy want to do. Like what you want to do. That's what this is. <laughs> you should be able to look at what Jesus did. Matthew three, uh, Matthew four, three. It says during that time, this is when Jesus was tempted. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said, no, the scriptures say. Boom, 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 boom. It's Jesus. He could have just like slapped the devil and the devil would have went straight to hell. He could have told he could have spoke to the devil and the devil just died right there. He said, no, 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 no. I hear what you're saying. But the scriptures say. When the devil starts whispering to you, you got to have that same mindset. No, 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 no. I, 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 I heard what you got to say. But no, the scriptures say. He didn't, did you catch that? He didn't just say the scriptures said. He first said no. Meaning what you just said is invalid. Why? Because the scriptures say. If you don't know no scriptures, what he says sounds correct. Because he's good with his words. When he starts talking, it might make sense if you don't know what the scriptures say. <laughs> when he starts talking, what he say might feel correct. If you don't know what the scripture, you don't got your concealing carry. Ready. Ready for war. Ready to take action. Ready to say, no, 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 no. I hear what you're saying, but no, the scriptures say. 
So when he say, listen, man, your grandmama was broke. Your mama was broke. You're going to be broke. That's just what it is. You're like, no. The scriptures say, Philippians 4 and 19, and my God shall supply all of my needs. Boom, 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 boom. Back up off me. Huh? You tell the devil no. You tell him, shut up, devil. Shout out to Pastor Brandon Clack. Shut up, devil. That's what you tell them. Sickness show up, try to attack you, try to attack your kids. And you feeling some type of way because of what the doctor said. You looking at your family history like, yeah, they had this. Yeah, it's in my, it's in my, it's in my family. You, you start agreeing with the doctor. Yeah, you know, my uncle and then my mom and them, they had it. So yeah, yeah, it's in, it's in, it's in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you right, doctor. We sick. Right, because it can make sensible sense. If it's in your family line, of course you got it. Of course you should surrender to it. Of course you should submit to it. It's just, it's just your lot in life. The devil can, he can make so much sense, right? Except if you know the word of God. So when he, when he shows up and your kid don't feel good, instead of accepting it, now you go to the doctor, do what you got to do. Get the medicine. Do what you got to do. <laughs> but don't you forget your weapon. Don't you? Boy, you pull that thing out the holster. And be like, Psalm 102. Praise the Lord, my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your sins and heals all your diseases. Boom, 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 boom. Shut up, devil. You got to fight. You got to fight. But how you going to fight if you don't got no weapons, no, no rounds in the chamber? That's why you got to read it, and that's why you got to study it, and that's why you got to get it in. Because the devil has no authority unless you give it to him. The devil has no power unless you surrender it to him. God has already given you authority. He's already given you power. So even when he, when he shows up and <laughs> hits you with a circumstance that catches you off guard, even when he shows up and brings back trauma, reminds you of things that you've been through, and triggers you with that pain, and now you're afraid of the future, you don't, hello, you don't have to accept fear. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, neighbor, you don't have to accept fear. Turn to your other neighbor, they bougie. <laughs> say, hey, other neighbor. I'm sorry I ignored you before. You're clearly the anointed one. You don't have to accept fear. When the enemy shows up, starts dangling fear, you pull that thing out the holster. You're like, no! The scriptures say, 
In Psalms 27 and 10, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Boom, 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 boom. Back up off me. You tell the devil to shut up talking to me. That's what Jesus did. He said, no, the scriptures say, back up. You need to say, no, the scriptures say, back up. Back up off me, back up off my marriage, back up off my kids, back up off my bank account. Back up! Boom, 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 boom. Y'all can remember that, though. Y'all gonna be walking around the parking lot. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> but in all seriousness, right? The Bible talks about that we don't fight to get fight against flesh and blood, right? What is that? That's 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 a warning, letting us know that we are in a spiritual war. First, you need to know that we're in one. Hello. And that's why you need the armor of God. And that's why you need the sword of the spirit. But when you're under attack, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to be defeated. You can just call on God through his word and get the devil above you. So he's under attack. Like you, you, you're not going to make it through this. This is the end for you. Here come the pink slip. Here come the divorce. Here come the diagnosis. When you're under attack, you don't have to accept it. You have a weapon. You can say, no. The scriptures say, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Boo, 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 boo. Back up off me. Shut up, devil. You got a weapon. You got a weapon. You don't have to stand there and take it. You have a weapon that's sharper than any two-edged sword. You got a weapon. And the God that you serve is undefeated. Stand to your feet. The last point, the last part of your tool belt on this journey is scripture memory. You need to take the time to start to learn some scripture. Look up scriptures on faith. Look up scriptures on healing. Look up scriptures on finances and put it in your back pocket. Tuck it in your heart so when the attack comes, you spit that round at the enemy and you let them know you're not the one. No, the scriptures say, I do not agree with you. The scriptures say, I trust God, not you. The scriptures say, I'm going to pray this last verse over us. Because you got to know that it's time to get it in time to get it into your heart. It's time to get the word of God into your mind. It's time to get the word of God into your life. It's time to get the word of God into your finances. It's time to get the word of God into your business. It's time to get the word of God into your occupation. It's time to get the word of God into your parenting. It's time to get the word of God in your decision making. It's time to get it in. Psalms 119.9 is my prayer over you. 
I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. This is what it says. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Father, let this prayer be our testimony. Let this not just be a scripture that we read, but let this become the mental that we carry in our lives. Let this be a part of the foundation that we lay for ourselves and the house that we are building. Help us to hide your word in our heart that we may not sin against you. It is our desire to be the men and women that you created us to be. So in this moment, in the pureness of heart, Right here and right now, Father, we lift our hands as an act of surrender to you. We know that we need you. We know that we won't make it without you. We know how valuable your word is to us. So, Father, from this millisecond forward, Father, renew a deeper desire to not just read your word, but to study your word. Not just to study your word, but to hide your word in our heart. So when the attacks of the enemy show up, we have our sword ready for battle, Lord. Equip us in our minds, equip us in our hearts to receive the things that you will teach us through your word. And we are forever grateful to take hold of this gift of your word that you have left for us on this earth. Father, we thank you that through the lens of this scripture, our lives will be made better. That through the lens of this scripture, our hearts will be renewed and we will become all that you created us to be because we have surrendered to your will and we have also surrendered to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people say it. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.